Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Ray Gricar had an enviable legal career throughout the 80s and 90s. But his legal career was second in his life, next to his daughter, Laura. Ray was a doting father and even spent Laura's younger years as a stay-at-home dad. Ray grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, and was a big Cleveland sports fan. When his wife took a job at Penn State University, however, the family decided to move to Pennsylvania. In 1985, Ray began his career as a district attorney in Center County, Pennsylvania. He took on some of the county's most serious criminals. However, in 1998, Ray's decision to not prosecute Jerry Sandusky, one of Penn State's football coaches for sexual assault against minors, caused a rift in Ray's supporters. Many were not happy about that decision. In 2005, Ray announced that he would not run for re-election that year and intended to retire. He was looking forward to relaxing, traveling, and visiting his daughter who now lived on the West Coast. On April 15th, Ray woke up and spontaneously decided to take the day off. His girlfriend at that time, Patty Fornicola, told him to enjoy the day and she herself headed to work. At 11.30 a.m., Ray called Patty to tell her that he was taking a drive to visit some antique shops that he liked and that he wouldn't be home to let the dog out that afternoon. Patty said no problem. She'd go right home after work. And that's exactly what she did. By late evening, however, Ray still wasn't home and he wasn't answering his phone. Patty reported Ray is missing and authorities started looking for Ray immediately They considered their district attorney as one of their own in law enforcement. And Ray's car would soon be found. But no Ray. Ray, Greek car, had vanished. Where is Ray Frank Grikar? Hello, and welcome back to the Where Are They podcast and a mysterious story of a missing district attorney. The story of Ray Grikar has many theories and remains one of the most mystifying missing person cases I have covered yet. It's an interesting story with a lot of possibilities and a lot of unanswered questions. But the most important aspect here is there is a daughter out there who still has no answers on the whereabouts of her father. She has been hoping and praying for answers for 18 years now. Ray's case does come in the media once in a while. He was a public figure after all, and he was still the district attorney when he vanished. Although he was planning on retiring soon, he hadn't done so yet. If anything new does come up on his case, I will share that over on social media. Make sure you are following us there. The links are in the show notes. 
You'll find my contact information there as well. I always welcome case suggestions and feedback anytime. Ray Grecar was born in Cleveland, Ohio on October 9th, 1945. He grew up with his brother Roy, and they attended the prestigious private school Gilmore Academy. Ray was always super smart, and everyone knew that he would be destined for great things. He went on to attend the University of Dayton after he graduated high school. And after he obtained his bachelor's degree in Dayton, he continued his education at the Case Western School of Law. Ray wasn't all work and no play, however. He was a huge Cleveland sports fan, and in particular, a huge Cleveland Indians baseball fan. Cleveland Indians are now known as the Cleveland Guardians, and Ray's favorite thing to do was go to their games. Ray also met his future wife, Barbara, while in college. He and Barbara married in 1969, and in 1978, they adopted a baby girl they would name Lara. In 1980, Barbara was offered a job at Penn State University, and they made the decision to move to State College, Pennsylvania. Ray wouldn't have to worry about finding a job right away, and he could be a stay-at-home dad to their baby girl. But after a while, Ray was itching to get to work, and he was offered a position as an assistant in the district attorney's office for Center County. He took the job, which was part-time at first, and offered him the flexibility to still be a family man, which he thoroughly enjoyed. In 1989, Ray would be elected as the district attorney, which would remain a part-time position. A couple of years later, in 1991, Ray and Barbara would divorce. Ray would also continue to be re-elected as district attorney throughout the years, and in 1996, the position became full-time. Also in 1996, Ray would remarry, although that marriage would also end in divorce in 2001. 1996 would prove to be a very difficult year for Ray in other ways. His brother Roy had disappeared from his home in Westchester, Ohio, and his body would be found in the Miami River a week later. His death was ruled a suicide, and Ray was devastated. Two years later, in 1998, Ray faced one of the toughest years of his career yet. He was presented with a case against Jerry Sandusky, a football coach at Penn State. This case was extremely public, as Sandusky was well-known in that area, and the accusations were extremely Serious, he was being accused of sexual assault against minors. Locals, understandably so, were furious and enraged, and many wanted Sandusky arrested and tried for his crimes. But Ray refused to press charges, citing lack of evidence. This was controversial at the time, and many wondered if Ray had an ulterior motive. In 2002, Ray started dating Patty Fornicola, a woman who worked in the Center County District Attorney's office, and they would eventually move in together. By 2005, Ray was exhausted and he was tiring of the work at the District Attorney's office. He had brought in some assistance to help with the workload, and he made the decision to not run for re-election later that year. He was almost 60 years old, 
He had spent the last 20 years as district attorney. He was ready to retire. The Disappearance On the morning of April 15th, 2005, Ray woke up and just wasn't feeling like going to work that day. It was a beautiful spring morning, and he spontaneously decided to take the day off work. Patty said she thought that was a good idea, and she told him to go have a nice day while she herself headed into the office. Around 11.30 a.m., Patty received a phone call from Ray. He told her he was driving through the Brush Valley area towards Uniontown, and he would be home later. He was planning on visiting some antique shops and just taking a leisure drive. This was something Ray enjoyed to do on his days off, so she figured it would be good for him. He had been a little down lately and just so tired, and she thought this might be just what he needed. Ray also told her that he wouldn't make it home to let their dog out that afternoon, so Patty said she would go right home after work. And Patty did go right home after work. She let their dog out, and then she headed over to their YMCA for a workout. She returned home a couple of hours later, but Ray still wasn't home, and he wasn't answering his phone either. At first, Patty thought he was just driving, and he would likely be home soon. And she didn't worry herself too much about it. But as the minutes and then hours ticked by, she became increasingly panicked that something might have happened to him. Patty knew many of the law enforcement officers in the area because of her work with the district attorney's office. And of course, Ray was the district attorney. She knew if she called the authorities, they would help her track Ray down and make sure that he was okay. Her biggest fear was that maybe he had been in a car accident and was unable to call for help. So Patty made the decision late that night to report Ray missing. The search. Luckily, with Ray being a prominent public figure in the area, authorities began looking for him right away. They put out a bolo, a be on the lookout for Ray's red Mini Cooper, and began searching the route they thought he might have taken that day. Patty decided to make that dreaded call to Ray's daughter and let her know what was going on. She hadn't wanted to worry her. But she waited as long as she felt she could. And Laura was instantly worried. This was not like her dad at all. He was always in touch and he didn't like people to worry about him. She knew he was also excitedly planning a trip to visit Laura on the West Coast. And he had been so looking forward to his upcoming retirement. Where was her father? Authorities checked Ray's phone records and bank accounts, but found no activity. They also searched his home and, along with Patty's help, were able to determine that Ray had not taken anything with him, no luggage or anything to indicate that he wasn't going to return, except they noted that he took his county-issued laptop. But he had left behind the charger for the laptop and the case. His cell phone and his wallet were also known to be with him. One of his friends thought that maybe Ray had impulsively decided to drive to Cleveland, Ohio to see a Cleveland Indians game. They were playing a home game that day, 
And the friend recalls there was a time when Ray had done that before. Because of this, authorities in Pennsylvania alerted the Cleveland police of Ray's disappearance as well. The entire day of April 16th, officers spent searching areas of the highways. They believed that Ray may have traveled. They searched in their police vehicles. They drove around. They searched on foot. They even utilized state helicopters to search from above. Later in the evening on April 16th, Ray's vehicle was discovered in a gravel parking lot across from the Street of Shops Antique Mall in the outskirts of Lewisburg near the Susquehanna River. There was no sign of Ray at all, and the car provided no additional clues except for the mysterious cigarette butt on the passenger side of the vehicle. It was also noted that his car smelled like cigarette smoke. And the interesting thing here is that Ray didn't smoke. In fact, everyone said he was adamantly against it and he hated the smell of it. Law enforcement checked with the antique mall that the car was parked near and learned that several people claimed they saw Ray in there that day. And he was with a dark-haired woman. Who was this mystery woman? No one knew. And there were no security cameras around either. A tracking dog was brought in who found Ray's scent at his vehicle, but lost his scent just a few yards away, leading some to think that he might have gotten into another vehicle. Yet others wondered if maybe Ray had driven to the river to end his life in the same manner that his brother Roy had done several years earlier. The Susquehanna River is a large and substantial river, and it was thoroughly searched but nothing was found. Had he wanted to end his life, perhaps he wanted to just get away and start fresh somewhere else. Or had he met with foul play, possibly due to the many enemies he may have had from his years as a district attorney. Ray had been involved in many high-profile murder trials, rape trials, and of course, the infamous Jerry Sandusky accusations which put Ray into the spotlight and angered a lot of people. Searches of Ray's home computer showed some interesting search results as well. He had searched terms like how to wreck a hard drive, how to fry a hard drive, and water damage to a notebook computer. Ray had also purchased software recently that was designed to wipe a hard drive clean. He had told Patty that this was for him to do before he returned the county-issued laptop when he retired. The search for Ray continued, but there just weren't many clues to go on. Until July 30th, three and a half months after Ray's disappearance. Fisherman pulled a laptop out of the river, and believing that to be strange, they turned it in to authorities. And in fact, it wasn't submerged in the water directly but it was sitting up near the banks of the river under a bridge. And it turned out to be Ray's county-issued laptop. But the hard drive was missing. A few months later, in October of 2005, the hard drive would be found near the river as well in a completely different location. And after several months of trying, nothing could be recovered from it. Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, 
Lewisburg would be the center of the search since Ray's car was found there and he was believed to have been there on April 15th. Ray was living in the Belfont area of Pennsylvania at this time, and Lewisburg was about an hour drive to the east. This was an area that Ray particularly liked, and it wasn't unusual at all that he would choose to go there. The drive from Belfont to Lewisburg is a rural, beautiful drive. Lewisburg also sits on the banks of the west branch of the Susquehanna River. And the Susquehanna, at 444 miles long, is the longest river on the East Coast. Lewisburg itself is a pretty small town with a population of just over 5,000 residents. It is located close to the center of the state and offers access to many major cities from there. Philadelphia is about a three-hour drive to the southeast. New York City is about three and a half hours to the east. Baltimore, Maryland is just two and a half hours to the south. Lewisburg also sits on the outskirts of the Pocono Mountains, so there's plenty of rural land surrounding the area. Theories and Possibilities In the years since Ray vanished, there would be several theories that would develop. However, three are repeatedly discussed in Ray's case. And for every main possibility we are going to mention, there are people who wholeheartedly subscribe to each one. Number one, Ray decided to walk away from his life and start fresh. This is always a thought when an adult goes missing. And to further this belief, sightings of Ray would start to come in from all over. However, some of these sightings actually caught the attention of family. First, There was a homeless man in Utah that claimed to have no memory of who he was. And when the photo of him started to circulate, many pointed out that he looked a lot like a disheveled Ray Grecar. However, fingerprints would eventually rule out this man as being Ray. Another sighting took place in Texas. There were actually a few sightings that came in from Texas, but one in particular stood out to the family. A woman was dining at a Chili's restaurant when she noticed a man eating alone. She was familiar with the Ray Grigar case and thought the resemblance was uncanny. She struck up a conversation with him, and while she said he was very friendly, she noted that he acted strange whenever she questioned him. The woman had asked for directions to the zoo, and his response was that he wasn't from that area. She asked where he was from, and he became fidgety, and he hesitated before answering Tennessee. She went back to her table and pretended to be taking a photo of her family, and instead took the photo of this unknown man. She took that photo to local police, who shared that info with the Center County PA police. And the police showed a photo lineup to the waitress from Chili's also. And the waitress picked out Ray Grigar's photo as the man that she was waiting on. Authorities in Pennsylvania showed that cell phone photo to Patty, who believed that it might be Ray. It did really look like him. His daughter, Laura, however, points out that the man in the photo seems to be left-handed. He was eating with his left hand. 
and her father is right-handed, so she didn't believe it to be him. However, no one disputes the resemblance between the two. Could Ray perhaps have had an episode and forgot who he was? Or was he just tired of living his life in Pennsylvania and wanted to start fresh somewhere else? Or maybe there was another reason he went on the run. Was he being threatened? I'm sure he made his fair share of enemies as a prosecutor. Suicide. Some do believe that Ray followed in brother Roy's footsteps and committed suicide. There are some uncanny similarities as both men had left their cars behind next to a river and a nearby bridge. But the river was thoroughly searched and nothing was ever found. The river level was also said to be very low at the time. Some even said that that old railroad bridge over the water near where he parked wasn't high enough to kill you if you jumped off. You could, in fact, land in the water and then walk right back out of the river. If he did commit suicide in the river, that bridge wasn't likely to be the spot. And over the years, the water levels have also fluctuated greatly. Many times, the bottom of the river was visible in all areas, and still, no sign of Ray was ever found. Yet, even others point out that with the currents and debris in the river, they do believe it's possible he could be in the river and go undiscovered. Perhaps he floated downstream or was caught in some underwater debris. Ray had been acting more withdrawn and tired leading up to his disappearance. Maybe no one quite knew how low he had been feeling. Foul play. There are many others who believe that Ray likely met with foul play, including one detective who knew Ray personally and helped investigate the case. He believes that Ray was lured to Lewisburg. The question would be, why? And there are a couple of theories as to why. First, Ray was a major player in the Jerry Sandusky case before it became a case. Ray declined to prosecute Sandusky, and many to this day wonder why. Was Ray covering for him, or was Ray hiding something himself? Was there evidence on his now-destroyed hard drive? This was a very big deal for the area, and many locals can tell you all about it. When the case was brought to Ray, there was recorded evidence and witness statements, and yet Ray still declined to prosecute. People were not happy. As it would stand, in 2011, another district attorney would take on the case of Jerry Sandusky, prosecute him, and he would be convicted. Second, aside from the Jerry Sandusky case, there were many, many other high-profile cases that Ray was in charge of prosecuting. And this theory would come to light again when a former Hell's Angel came forward to tell a story about what happened to Ray. He claimed that another Hells Angel had murdered him, blaming Ray for the many, many years the man had spent in prison. He went into great details about how Ray was lured to Lewisburg, how they got him into another car, and how they took him out of the area. And remember, the tracking dogs led authorities to believe that Ray did get into another car because they lost the scent just a few yards from his red Mini Cooper. This informant took authorities to the land where Ray was supposedly buried, 
but he wanted immunity before showing them the exact location. The informant also claimed that there were other bodies buried there as well, not just Ray's. The informant said he was only comfortable coming forward now because he believed this other Hells Angel member was deceased. However, he would learn that this was not the case. The informant stopped talking and that lead stalled. Those are the three main theories that people believe when talking about the case of Ray Gricar. There's one more that is sometimes brought up. Witness Protection Program. Ray certainly would have found himself dealing with some dangerous people. Could something have led him to needing witness protection? This we may never know. What do you think happened to Ray Gricar? Ray is described as a Caucasian male standing about six feet tall and weighing 172 pounds at the time of his disappearance in April of 2005. He was 59 years old. He had graying hair and green eyes. If you have any information as to the whereabouts of Ray Gricar or any information at all pertaining to his case, please call the Belfont Police Department at 814-353-2320. If you are interested in a deeper dive into Ray's case, there is a podcast, Final Argument, that covered Ray's story in a six-part series back in 2021. I'm definitely curious to know your thoughts on this case. Thank you all so much for listening to Ray's story today. Quite a baffling and mysterious one. And I can't help but wonder if Ray had any idea that his story would touch so many people. If you've made it this far and would like to support our show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice. This truly does help our show reach more people. You can also support us by joining our detective group at Patreon for bonus episodes. You can find that link in the show notes. This is how we are able to make the donations we do to the families we work with and the charities involved in helping with missing person cases. If you have a case you'd like to recommend, please send an email over to canwefindthem at gmail.com. I have some listener recommended cases coming up next week, and these are exactly the cases I want to cover, the lesser known small town cases that need talked about more. Again, thank you so, so much for listening to Ray's story today. This is definitely one of the ones that I pray is solved in my lifetime. We will be back again very soon with another unsolved missing persons case. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.